This is Three Women and a Bottle of Wine. Three friends. Three former TV reporters. And one bottle of wine. Delving into whatever interests us. News, not news. What affects our lives? Because it's probably affecting yours too. I'm Kim Inslee. I'm Lynn Melling. And I'm Julie Barkey. And now on with the pod. Hi, everybody. I'm Kim. And I'm Lynn. And I'm Julie, and we are so glad that you are all listening right now. Not only do we love to produce podcasts, we love to listen to them. Our guest right now is someone who co-created one of the most relevant Minnesota podcasts that are out there. It's called Wrong About Everything, which my kids would say really applies to me when it comes to the home. But anyway, this is a podcast with four hosts, two are Republicans, two Democrats, a lot of opinions about Minnesota and national politics. And one of them is Brian McDaniel. He has worked as a lobbyist, a legislative staffer, an attorney. And, you know, if he's not busy enough, he's a stand-up comedian on the side. And I have seen him, I'm proud to say, and he was very funny. All right. Brian, though, you didn't find too much to laugh about during the last election season. And what you said in the Wrong About Everything podcast following the rioting that happened on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol, it literally stopped me in my tracks. I was shoveling snow at the time and I, I stopped, I had to listen. So I knew that I wanted you on the show as soon as the dust settled, all was said and done, so we could start talking about a better future. So Brian, welcome, we're so happy to have you. Well, thank you so much uh, for having me. I'm thrilled to uh, to be here. And as I told you guys earlier, I have a hole inside of me that can only be filled with attention. <laughs> Good, because we're going to shower you with it tonight. So, we love uh, needy people. <laughs> we're there with you, Betty. Um, so you identify as a Republican, but you were really, really clear in your anger um, on that particular podcast um, about who you felt had crossed lines in these last few months. And I wanted to know, what have you been thinking about in the weeks that have followed January 6th? Well, and, and, and I want to be clear that, you know, I think that political rhetoric has been really dangerous on both sides for a long time. I mean, there's not much difference um, between, you know, hashtag resist and he's not my president than some of the things that Trump was saying. The difference is, somebody crossed the line, one group crossed the line. So I think it's really important to not kind of do both sides-ism and say, oh, well, the Democrats, you know, they say bad things too. That should just be a given. I mean, nobody in politics is pure. But what happened on January 6th um, was sickening to me. Uh, what actually, you know, I actually was kind of a little late to the party on it because um, my, uh, you know, we're all stuck at home. So my internet was down. So that meant I didn't have my television, I didn't have my computer, I didn't have my phone. So I got a text from somebody saying, you know, they're storming the Capitol. And my first question was, Minnesota or U.S.? And then they said U.S. and I went, eh, because, you know, I had no idea the enormity of it. So when I actually got to see the pictures and kind of got to hear what some of these people were saying as they were going into, uh, you know, our United States Capitol, the building that means so much to me and and probably many of you, um, it sickened me and it showed me that this isn't game. These aren't games, and you know, people lost their lives. Some people are going to lose much more, um, you know, personal things to them, like you know, jobs and reputations and all of that things too. But some people died, and um, for what? And I think I think what you're referencing was they died for lies. 
And, you know, I've been very clear, you know, even though my podcast, which we're going on year seven, um, even though um, my podcast is Republicans and Democrats, and I've been a Republican, you know, since, you know, junior high, um, at least consider myself that, um, um, what happened was, 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 was that bad to make me question, you know, if I'm a Republican, then they're not. But if they're Republicans, then I'm not. And I've never had those thoughts before. And, um, you know, with Trump, who I very clearly, I did not vote for him either time. I took pictures of my ballot because I knew I'd have to prove it because the Trump that we saw as president was exactly what I thought he would be as president. So sometimes I wasn't horrified or surprised because what he did and said was exactly what I thought he would do and say, which is why I didn't vote for him and encourage other people not to. But I did periodically make excuses for him or downplay some of the things he did and said. Um, but, you know, hindsight being 2020, I needed to apologize not only to, you know, the people on my podcast, but anyone who listens or follows me because the signs were there that this was going to happen. And, um, you know, I didn't vote for him, but also what did I do to stop him or slow him down? So, you know, I, I felt like I needed to, to say something and, you know, it's been very cathartic for sure. So Brian, I have, you're still involved in this entire political landscape. What do you think this says about the temperature of America and Minnesota right now? Is it something that can be healed or should we, as all U.S. citizens, take note that this isn't necessarily a one and done thing? Well, I mean, I, I would say this is rock bottom, but I've said that a couple times already. So, I mean, maybe I shouldn't, you know, predict that we can't go any lower because we can. But, you know, I think that, you know, Trump's not in office. We've had other kind of charismatic leaders, not to this level, obviously, but, but, but you know, in, in politics that, you know, they come, they get their, they get their, their, their supporters all ginned up, they lose. And then they take their ball and go home and their supporters can't kind of like keep up that level of, uh, of anger, support, whatever it might be. So it's certainly my hope that Donald Trump is done running for president and that his people either find new and better people in the Republican Party to, um, to support and follow. But frankly, if they can't, then leave. Um, because the Republican Party stopped being a party of any principle if you ask me. I mean, the things that make me a Republican have nothing to do with what what happened on January 6th or a lot of the other things that were that that you know the Republican Party had become under Donald Trump. So, um, you know, we had a world before the Republican Party. We can have something after it too if this is what it's going to be. So, yeah, I would love to ask you about that. I mean, so okay, Donald Trump is no longer president. He may or may not run again, even if let's say he's not going to run again, do you think then where does that leave then the Republicans, for instance, Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, I mean, they've been, you know, they, they've been divided within the Senate. So where, where does that leave everybody? What do you think happens next? Well, I mean, when did we become a world where there was one political view? You know, this will be my 21st year 
uh, up at the Capitol. And I remember when we had lots of pro-life Democrats and pro-choice Republicans and, and, you know, Democrats in rural Minnesota and, you know, you know, suburban Republicans, things change. I mean, mm-hmm. the Iron Range is pretty Republican right now. Yeah. I was just going to say my grandpa is, so my grandpa was a dyed in the wool Democrat, um, but he worked in the coal, in, in the iron ore mines up in Northern Minnesota in the Arrowhead region. And my other grandpa was, Red Republican and his favorite charity to donate to is Planned Parenthood. So that was 20, 30 years ago. And my, how things have changed. Yeah, things are changing. So, things have changed and they're going to change again. And we have to be willing to embrace that. But can the Republicans be a party with Mitt Romney and Mitch McConnell and everybody else in it? Yes. Can they be a party with Mitt Romney, Mitch McConnell, Mike Lindell, and Donald Trump in it? No. <laughs> well, you, you, you make some really good points there. And I had a question here as what is a Republican today? And I don't know that you can answer it. I mean, my parents both diehard Republicans. Um, so I know what a Republican used to be. And then this term rhino came up, Republican in name only. And I've always said, what the heck does that mean? And it's the same thing as if you're not a super progressive Democrat, are you a real Democrat? What happened to a country where you could have different viewpoints. I mean, I think it's super interesting, but super odd that we're the last state in the country with a divided legislature. I mean, I don't want to be a nation of just one party. Yeah. And, 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 you know, having a divided legislature, you know, which is all we've known here, you know, albeit for that small time when the Democrats had, uh, had all three branches under Mark Dayton, you know, we've had divided government as long as I've been around. And in a lot of ways, divided government is great. Sometimes it's, I had this, this conversation with a legislative staffer. Um, sometimes it makes it really hard to pass something good, but it also stops a lot of really bad things. So, you know, being able to kind of find those issues of consensus is something we used to be able to do, and we don't do that anymore. And, you know, I'll blame, you know, the Republicans a little bit because, you know, during the you know 80s and 90s, you know, the Republican Party started merging their political views with their religious views. Mm-hmm. And your religious views should be something that no matter what they are, you should never compromise them. But your political views have to be compromised. That's what politics is. You trade A to get B because you value B more. But once politics and religion is mixed, you can't, you can't, you can't make trades because then you are, you know, offending your religion or 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 doing something that is far more um, sacrosanct than 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 politics. And uh, we can't have that, but we have this now on both sides, um, you know, and if we had you know, more time, I could talk for hours about, you know, what each side is doing that's kind of hurting, you know, their own people and their own party. But uh, it's safe to say that until, you know, until reaching across the aisle isn't considered treason, we're never going to get better. We're never going to have, you know, the business of government isn't going to happen. In fact, I wanted to ask you about that. I remember Senator Tom Bach saying to, saying once that the definition of compromise is nobody gets everything they want, but everybody gets a little bit of what they want. Have we lost the ability to compromise? Or as you said, if you compromise, is it considered treason? I mean, it seems to me that it's the same principle as marriage. You're going to not get some of the things that you want, but overall, you can still be happy with the outcome. And this is spoken from the divorced woman in the group. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have, I have number three downstairs making me scallops. <laughs> um, you but, uh, but, but you wanted shrimp and now you compromise. <laughs> you know, I used to, you know, I, I've said the, um, you know, reaching across the aisle can't be treason. I said that, I've said that for years back when treason seemed like something that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to kind of say that, that now. Um, but um the ability to, you know, Tom Bach is somebody who, you know, has been a Democrat, you know, is now caucusing with Republicans. He's in the independent party um, and kind of represents, you know, he's a little bit of America right now, or at least Minnesota, where he is former Democrat, you know, blue collar, you know, you know, that, that has kind of felt like that party has left them or stopped representing them. So it's kind of interesting that he is now almost the face of the new Republican Party. But um, one thing that you could always say about Tom Bach, and I've known Tom Bach my whole career, is that he knows how to make a deal. And um, I think a lot of people don't. And Twitter, I mean, you know, t- we all know what a cesspool Twitter is, mm-hmm. but Twitter also kind of took away the ability to um, take controversial votes. Because it used to be that, you know, Representative Inslee would take a uh, controversial vote, go back to her district and explain it. Well, now you take a controversial vote in three seconds, you know, in in 144 characters or whatever, you're either an idiot or you're a genius and there's nothing in between. So that makes both parties kind of do what's safe, which is only doing the things that their party cares about because the, you know, the negative people on social media are so much louder than regular people. And um, that has had such a detrimental effect the politics. It's, I mean, it can't be calculated. So how, what's the solution? How do we, what has to happen? Who has to go first? It feels like people just keep digging in their heels and we keep getting further divided. As you said, you know, we think we've hit rock bottom, but who knows? So what has to happen to turn the tide? Who has to go first to to make peace and reach across the aisle? You know, unfortunately, I think, you know, I, I maybe once upon a time would have said that you need, you know, something that unifies us and that used to be a war or mm-hmm. some national tragedy, but I don't even know now. We've got COVID and that has, that's divided us even more, right? You know, you know, Trump and the Republicans belong to Russia and Biden and the Democrats belong to China and, you know, going back to um, the Gulf war, you know, it's that at some point in time they're stopped and I'm not even saying whose fault it is. It's everyone's fault, but you know, there's no longer an us. There's an us and a them. The them didn't used to be other Americans, and now it is. The the us and the, the them is is so clear now, but yet there is this group that feels like they're neither the us or the them. And so the the tension is, will there be this third party? And what would that be? Would that be a Trump party? Um, you know, polling showing that that a lot of Republicans say they would, yeah, they'd sign up for that. Or would it be something that the Republicans like you would start? And would it be viable? Well, I mean, when did we decide that one party wasn't enough, but three were too many? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, we, we in America, you know, I t- one of the things that, that we didn't say is that I also teach American government at Concordia every fall. And, you know, there's, there hasn't always been Republicans and Democrats, but there's mostly only been two. 
um, you know, different parties, whether it was the Democratic Republicans and the Federalists or the Whigs or the whatever, you know, there mostly have been two. And, you know, other countries have lots of political parties and that works you know, in different ways. And sometimes it doesn't work, but what it does is it makes you have to coalition build. So, you know, so maybe a far right candidate wins, you know, the presidency or whatever we would call it. Um, But in order to form the government, they would have to like go to the moderate Republicans and make a deal. And that helps them, you know, that, you know, moderates the, the the far right and it brings the moderates to a little bit more of a conservative position and the same thing would happen on the left. The problem is, is it's about money. And you know the money is with the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. So yes, I do think that if you had um, you know somebody who was you know a big enough individual to form a party, like Jesse Ventura absolutely could have done it. Um, if he had any interest in governing, he didn't. I mean, we, Minnesota would, would have been the perfect place to start up this independence party, and he could have done it. And but he just had didn't have any interest in in people on the ballot that weren't him, and and he just didn't really enjoy governing. Which is kind of what I thought what what would happen with Trump is that he'd get tired of being president and let other people do it. But that's not what happened. Um, so I think we could have third parties. Um, but uh, it's not going to be easy and it's going to be expensive and you have to have the right candidate to kind of coalesce around. That makes a lot of sense. I do want to ask you, especially given your, your role as a, a teacher, a professor, is democracy a failed experiment in your opinion? No, I mean, I mean, I, I, and I say no with that tone of voice only because, uh, you know, somebody showed me something better, you know, you know, you know as bad as things are now, um, you know, it, I think it's myth, it's mythology that there are there are places in Europe or South America or somewhere else that are doing it uh, way better. Um, I think that we have just lost trust in each other. We've lost trust in our systems, um, and maybe I've lost trust in people, but like I have not lost trust in systems. You know, to me, even though. Um, the American system has been very imperfectly implemented. It's darn near perfect in how it was drafted up. And you know, once again, we had more time. I could give. I could. I could do a class on what poetry is within how our government was set up and how it is set up to protect the minority, as long as we acknowledge that certain people actually are people. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's a failed experiment. Um, I don't know what gets us back on track, but um, I still like what we got. You're optimistic. And on that optimistic note, it is time for a quick break. When we come back, a ghost story. How's that for a cliffhanger? And our final flight. Three Women and a Bottle of Wine is supported by 515 Productions. 515 Productions is a video production business with base camps in Minneapolis and Des Moines, Iowa. Ian and his crew understand the art of creative storytelling, and they know how to make video look fantastic. Learn more at 515productions.com. Our logo was created by Aaliyah DeSalt, a creativity guru offering art workshops to everyone from business executives to book clubs because we all have untapped creative potential just waiting to be unleashed. You can find her contact information on our website. You can stay up to date on our podcast by checking out our website, 3 Wine.com. 
You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you'll find behind-the-scenes photos and, of course, much, much more. Be sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Brian, we bump back our schedule for you for a week because you had something you had to attend to on the day that we typically record. A medium came to your house on a ghost hunt. <laughs> we got to hear the story. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> what was in your house? <laughs> I, I direct people to um, the Wrong About Everything podcast um, from just about a year ago because the original the original real ghost interaction happened on uh, Valentine's Day in 2020. And then last Tuesday, we brought a medium in um, and we had more stuff. Um, so I won't I won't retell the whole story, but last Valentine's Day 2020, home alone, my kids were out with family members. My wife was in New York voting, um, uh, visiting her sister and uh, my TV was acting funny. It wouldn't fully you know power up. So I sat I sat on my couch, I stared into my TV, kind of angry that uh, it was broken. And I saw some movement behind me uh, in the reflection of the TV. And I didn't turn around, but I stared closer at the TV. Like, what was that? And then clear as a bell, in a low male voice, it said, Brian. It said no. My, no. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Oh, not, yeah. Me too. Not threatening. Not threatening. Um, but now there, this wasn't a complete surprise because, you know, we've lived in this house three years and there are footsteps every day, every day, whether it's winter, spring, summer, fall, daytime, nighttime. You know, I live in Lakeville. So my house was built in 2008. So we always assumed that our ghost had to be like a chiropractor named Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, look up from his phone and go, boo. Um, So, you know, so it, and it was never felt like it was malevolent. So we've always just kind of like, <laughs> it was a nice, it's a nice ghost. <laughs> it's a nice ghost. Uh, and it was mostly benevolent. Stays, mostly, stays up, mostly stays upstairs. Um, but this one time it did come down and it did um, say my name very clearly. I just picked up the dogs, <laughs> went in the other, <laughs> other room, called my wife. She said, what do you want me to do about it? I'm like, I don't know. So just went right back to it. The kids came home. I didn't want to scare them. So I said, well, the TV's broken and they turned it on. It worked perfectly. Um, So fast forward pretty much a year, there's been more and more um, uh, activity, nothing major, but like we will hear like a cough somewhere where nobody is or, um, you know, like intense, more intense footsteps. So we brought in uh, a friend of ours who'd been on the Wrong What Everything podcast, Jody Levon, the happy medium. Yeah. And uh, she came in and uh, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version, but we're up on the third floor where I am right now. And she thought she saw a man wearing gray overalls. He was somehow communicating that he had um, you know, worked on the land when it was a farm Farmer, which it was yeah. before, before it was all that and wasn't, you know, he just didn't know where he was supposed to be. He knew he wasn't in the right spot. He identified with my wife because he likes to fix things and that's what she does. Um, he told the medium that there's a, there was a broken drawer somewhere 
She was in the bathroom. There was no broken drawer there. We go into my daughter's room and one of her drawers was completely out of her dresser because it had broken. So she just took it out. He also said that there was a, uh, there was a uh, leaky faucet. And I said, well, I don't think we have one. And my wife said, well, actually yesterday the faucet started leaking. Wow. The next morning faucet was fixed. We didn't touch it. He had fixed it, you know, arguably, but this is what is irrefutable. I mean, anybody can walk into anyone's house and say, you know what? I'm feeling a female spirit. Uh, she's from Cleveland and she, you know, she says, you know, go Cavaliers or whatever it is. <laughs> um, but when we were on the third floor, I was standing up against um, a railing. So behind me was nothing. Just, you know, that's where you fall down to the main floor. And as we're all talking and the medium is like explaining what she's seeing, we all hear a bell. Ding. No way. So I pull my phone out of my pocket because it sounded like it was behind me to see, did I have my phone on? It wasn't a ring that I have on my phone, but my phone was on mute. We all heard it and we're kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was probably something. We go back downstairs. We're, we're talking about what the medium, you know, thought that she was perceiving. And then we heard the bell again upstairs. So it didn't follow us down. It wasn't something that somebody had with them. The bell was still upstairs and we heard it again. And, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, one of those, it's a wonderful life. You know, every time a bell rings. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, but, you know, what the medium was telling us was to let him know that he is welcome to stay because he is, and, but that there is a better place that he can go to. And uh, for a couple of days afterwards, we didn't hear any footsteps um, and we almost kind of felt a little empty. Um, we've heard a few things since then, but nowhere near the level of activity we had before. So part of us is hoping, well, you know, whatever there is that he found it, but also, you know, yeah, our house was a lot more interesting when we had <laughs> maybe he left pretty active. And, and you've had Amy Coke, uh, my podcast uh, co-host on here. She has witnessed the ghost, the footsteps many times, and she was here um, uh, for the medium. So, um, so, you know, everything that I just recounted, you know, independent corroborating witness saw it as well. Somebody a lot more trustworthy than me. Um, so whatever's out wow. there, I don't know, but, it's something. Do you oh suppose that when the TV thing happened that he was just saying, you know, you're, you need to tune into the bachelorette like now. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, well then he shouldn't have stopped it because <laughs> I, I was unable because it wouldn't get, it, I, I couldn't turn it on or off with the remote or turning it off with my, with my finger. Um, but I do think that what it was, was that the ghost needed to take the energy from the TV in order to have enough energy. Uh, oh, wow. Oh my gosh. That's so creepy. But I'm cool. not going to be able to sleep tonight. That's just, that's it. I'm not, I'm wide awake. <laughs> All right. So this is going to be hard to follow here. Our final flight. So this is three quick questions to learn a little bit more about you. Here we go. So you have more than 20 years of experience working around the Minnesota state Capitol. So we want to know what is the most Minnesota thing that happens during the legislative session? 
Well, I think that in addition to everybody referring to everybody they hate as their friend, um, <laughs> that uh, when I first started a long time ago, uh, one of the state representatives uh, owned a bunch of Dairy Queens. So we would have Dilly Bar Day. Dilly bars and we would all get Dilly Bars. But then uh, something that has continued is Johnny Bread Day. Now, I don't know if any of you uh, went to St. John's or St. Ben's. Oh, yeah. But, uh, there's always a Johnny Bread Day where the, you know, the, the monks, they bake this bread. Good stuff, yeah. Very well known up there. And they bring it down. And you know, if you're lucky enough to be a member or staff, uh, you get some. And that, that seems pretty Minnesotan. That's pretty good. I was going to say the most Minnesota thing that happens is they never finish on time. But that's... <laughs> everybody right <laughs> i was gonna say they're cracking open their micro brews during breaks but Ooh, that's, that's okay okay brian you're on radio tv you are a college instructor you work for politicians um and you do stand-up comedy so of those things which is the most humbling and why oh the most humbling oh stand-up comedy oh my gosh yeah <laughs> No, politics is easy. Oh my God. Easy. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, standing in front of, you know, because you know, I didn't start doing comedy until I was 44. And I believe in my material, but you know, going to college campuses and talking about my uh, two divorces and stuff, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> resonate. Hit. So yeah, so no, I, I would say that comedy is definitely much more humbling, but I got into it because I wanted something that had nothing to do with politics and where nobody cared what I did for a living. So, well, your podcast wrong about everything. It's consistently funny. It's very thought provoking and occasionally heated. Most people just can't believe you're all really friends. How do you keep those friendships going? Um, it's trust. I mean, you have to, and this is one of the things we really try to teach is that if you trust the person that you're talking with, that they don't have some sort of evil intent, that they can be wrong without being evil, then you can actually have, you know, a free exchange of ideas. And, you know, Javier, uh, Mario and I, we started it almost seven years ago. We weren't that close then, but, you know, we had done TV against each other and found out that we had a lot more in common as far as like, we all hate the same people. Um, then we started doing words with friends and we found out that we're both filthy, filthy people. <laughs> um, and then we did this podcast and I think most podcasts last 10 episodes and you know we're on almost year seven wow. and not every day has been fun. I mean, the George Floyd days aren't fun. The, the Capitol insurrection days aren't fun. The, um, you know, third and fourth precinct stuff isn't fun, um, but, you know, it's important that people be able to disagree, but then still be friends or friendly. And, you know, I'm sure they would say the same thing, but I have learned so much about how, how people on the other side think. It's made, me so, it's made me a way better lobbyist, a way better political pundit. Um, doesn't always change my views on things, but I understand where they're coming from so much better. And that's something that is almost completely devoid in politics. Nobody knows each other. Nobody talks to each other. Nobody trusts each other. So they're never going to learn from each other. That's what makes it stand out, your podcast. And that's what's made me a huge fan. And it, it is my favorite podcast. I recommend it to everybody. Well, you were an early adopter on us. And we, we appreciate uh, how much uh, uh, you do and all of you do to help spread the word about us. 
Well, thank you for coming on today to spread the word. You can catch Brian, Amy Koch, who is, yes, friend of three women and a bottle of wine as well, to steal from you guys, Brian. Javier Morillo, who always makes me laugh. And then you have a fourth who rotates through, and I will say that they're all fabulous. Um, catch Wrong About, Every Wrong About Everything on all the major podcast platforms. And if you want to support them, go to a website called Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you can kick in a little week by week and, and keep this fabulous experiment going. So thank you, everybody. I guess we say cheers. Cheers. Absolutely. I, I think we should say in our creepiest voice, Brian. <laughs> Rudy. <laughs> cheers. 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 <laughs>